It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Kommen die entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me. Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce, very well, thanks. I'm busy, but no, nothing to complain about. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. I was at a friend's wedding yesterday, so it was good fun and enjoying the Easter weekend and even looking forward to more so uh, talking a bit of football with you guys. Um, joining uh, Chris and I, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been over this weekend? Yeah, I'm enjoying some of the football and the Easter weekend. Um not been at a wedding, Bryce. That sounds like good fun. I've just been basically hanging out at home, watching a bunch of games, writing some articles, but it's been good. Uh, how was the wedding? Did you guys have good fun? Was it a good Irish wedding with lots of Guinness? Uh, no, it was up in Birmingham, of, of all places, uh, but there was definitely plenty of drinks and uh, dancing and rides. Weddings are always fun. Always good fun. But let's get to the football, guys, I feel. Um, we were just talking offline, weren't we? We we predicted um, Dortmund might come out on top, and Der Klassiker, you know, with uh, the Bavarians having one eye on the Champions League, and that wasn't quite the case. Um, it ended six nil. Yes, that's six. So, guys, we've got plenty to discuss. Um, I suppose about how Bayern were so good, how Dortmund were so poor, and I don't know what needs to be done by Dortmund. But um, Chris, let's go to you first. Um, what what else can we say apart from one team was a different class to the other? Oh well, different class is, is probably putting it mildly, Bryce. I think there was a gulf in class. Um, I mean, it was three 0 before the half hour mark, wasn't it? And that was with the goal chalked off, so it could have been four um, nil. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was as far away from a classica as you could ever imagine, if no one's watched the Bundesliga before and you're expecting to see, you know, a um, an equivalent of Real Madrid against Barcelona or Liverpool against Manchester United or um, River against Boca, you're not going to expect one of the teams to go out and win 6-0. So uh, it was, uh, it's an artificial scoreline for what has been, you know, uh, close matches on the whole throughout the last couple of seasons, but it certainly does show just at the moment, there's a gulf between Bayern and not just the rest of the side, uh, sorry, the rest of the league, but especially to Dortmund. And after watching that, it could be argued that maybe Schalke are the second best team in the league at the moment. And that will cut a lot of um, Dortmund supporters you know, through the bone to see that. But they are way short of, of the Dortmund I've enjoyed watching over the last four or five seasons, way short. I mean, 
imagine this side getting to the Champions League final. It, it's not going to happen, is it? Um, imagine this side pushing Bayern and even pipping them to the title or going out and winning a Pokal. It's not going to happen. This side is is bereft of ideas and just lost at the moment. And it's a shame to see. Obviously, not a shame if you, you know, you're a Bayer Leverkusen fan or Schalke fan or, or indeed a Bayern Munich fan. But um, Dortmund are are in the process of of falling apart. And and I don't say that lightly. I say that as in they don't seem to have any sort of structure. I mean, you only take it back two years. They had a real good mixture of youth and um, and some experience. That experience is is going. And I can't see someone like Christian Pulisic hanging around in this team, to be honest. I think he could be the next person to be on the move. Yeah, indeed. It's, it was a... Uh, definitely a challenging one for Dortmund to swallow, wasn't it? Um, Manu, what exactly is going on here? Is it is it a coaching issue? Is it the the players are of a rather poor quality? Is um, is there a certain area lacking? I mean, what exactly is going on with Dortmund at the moment? They're, they're a shell of the side that we've seen over the last you know, five, ten years. Oh, that's a very good question. I think um, Chris mentioned some of the issues. I think... I think teams go through something like this every once in a while. I mean, Chris mentioned that sometimes, you know, you, you would turn on, turn on the classica and you wouldn't see, think the scoreline like this could happen. Um, I've, I've seen Barcelona being absolutely destroyed by Real Madrid in the past and vice versa. It, it happens. Teams go through phases. Um, that doesn't make this any less bad. Um, I think I should maybe also point out that a lot of people called for Thomas Tuchel to come back. Uh, he's lost his two away games in Munich, 5-0 and 4-1. Um, you know, so something like this can happen in Munich. It happens quite easily. This is one. People talk about football royalty. Uh, I think Bayern are one of the three best teams in the world at the moment. And, um, I don't, I don't say that lightly. I really mean that uh, they are on top of their form. Um, that doesn't mean that losing 6-0 there is a good thing. There's other teams that have gone to Munich and have done a lot better than what Dortmund have put on the field. That uh, Dortmund were almost arrogant. Um, there seems to be almost an air about the side that they, um, they, they seem to think they're better than what they are. Um, you know, you see, see players like Chris mentioned, uh, Pulisic. I don't know anyone would want to sign him on his current form. He's been atrocious. Um, there's derived of any ideas. Um, maybe, um, maybe too, too much praise coming his direction from the US media. I mean, even Fox, even when he got subbed off in this game, Fox said on their broadcast that he was the best player in Dortmund's pitch. He was just as atrocious as everyone else. You know, that, that doesn't, something like that doesn't help him. He needs to, before he thinks about moving to club XYZ, he needs to really get his house in order and get his form going. And he's not the only one. You look at Mario Götze. You know, Mario Götze was once one of the brightest talents on this planet. And you still see flashes of it, but he doesn't have, doesn't have any kind of motivation. He seems almost sluggish when he's on the field. Um, I can go next with Andre Schürrle. I mean, Andre Schürrle has been moved from one club to another. I think the only one who's really benefited from Schürrle's career is his agent. Um, I can, I can go on and on and on and on. The list is long. I mean, but why we were happy when he came in and he has scored some goals, but, um, he doesn't contribute anything to this team. Nothing, nothing at all. And then you go back in the line with Socrates and Toprak, who are static at best. Um, Socrates has been linked with a move to Manchester United. I would say good riddance if they sell him. 
I mean, these are things that we want to talk in, in more depth when we get further down into the podcast, right, Bryce? But I mean, there seems to be almost an arrogance about this club and among his players that, um, the, the, the entire, the entire thing isn't there. The, the, the mindset isn't there. And this can be a whole bunch of reasons for it. But I, I think when you, when you look at it case by case, you see that things aren't just, just aren't right. And, um, that can happen to clubs. I mean, we had something similar happen to Bayern, you know, and um, sometimes just the right person needs to come in and some tweaks need to be made and everything can be turned around in a heartbeat. So it's it's really difficult to really just pinpoint it. Well, yeah, guys, let's, let's leave Dortmund just for a moment. We've got plenty to talk about them and we're going to talk about them a, a little further, especially with a little bit of news that's, that's come in, in in the last few days. But... Chris, let's uh, focus on uh, Bayern for now. I mean, this is a, an emphatic victory for them, um, one that is really going to make the rest of Europe sit up and and take notice. Uh, they're playing midweek, Champions League. I would imagine that Sevilla are going to be rather concerned after seeing that performance. <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? They were devastatingly good. and That was probably one of the best displays of attacking football I've seen for a while. Now, I think we have to temper it with the fact that Dortmund was so awful. But, you know, old adage in football, you can only play who you can play. Um, you know, you go out and beat a team 6-0, you, you beat them 6-0. That doesn't necessarily mean they were bad. You still have to be good enough to put six goals past them. But I, I thought they were unbelievable in stages. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's back to front full of quality. I think Ulreich has, has really stepped up into that. So whenever Dortmund did get a shot on target, he either saved comfortably um, or, you know, he he had it covered. So I know Goethe hit the post, but he had that covered. If it was going to be inside of the post, he would have got his hand to it. And there was another couple of shots that were straight at him. Now, OK, they were straight at him, but he's got to be in the right place in order for that to be straight at him. And I thought Boateng and Hummels were excellent. And then the midfield... Um, yeah, the, the midfield three, although they were playing more as an attacking diamond with Ribery and Robin off them, with um, Lewandowski at the, the top of that. It's like a real tight um, 4-3-3 they played. But they were just unreal. And um, Rodriguez was, was sumptuous. Uh, probably one of the best I've seen him play. And, and this seems to be a sentence that was saying every week, Manu, when we see how much Rodriguez play, we go, I think that's his best game for Bayern. He seems to be now hitting full peak Hamas and, and really driving this team forward. Muller was excellent. Um, I mean, Martinez came in and he was very, very good as well. And and the old boys um, on on either side. I mean, Ribery, Ribery made um, he made the Dortmund backline look like schoolboys at times. And his finish for his goal was well, that was it was unbelievable. It takes me back to 2005 Champions League final with um, with a Milan's third goal. It was just a beautiful goal, similar to Ribery's. Um, I just cannot praise that side enough. And, you know, I know everyone that's listening will know that I am aligned to Borussia Dortmund if I um, if I have to be, uh, which I am and I enjoy the company, I enjoy visiting friends who work at the club, etc. But to watch this Bayern side yesterday was a privilege. And um, Manu wrote the match report. I mean, glad I didn't have to write that because, you know, there's no chance on God's green earth that you get in um, that first half especially into 250 words yeah it took more than 250 words the second half <laughs> was much easier um 
Yeah, I think you point out James Rodriguez. He was my man of the match, even though he only played for the first 65 minutes. And I think it, it was quite an easy, yes, Lewandowski scored three goals, but, you know, by minute 65, this game was over. It was mostly due to him. And um, I found this unreal stat on James. He has created a chance every 28 minutes since he's joined Bayern. I mean, just let that think in for, sink in for a moment. That's unreal. Um, that is an unreal statistic and he's unbelievable now. Bayern can, um, make his deal permanent for another 42 million euros, which would mean he would cost them 55 million altogether. Um, there is, I don't think anyone in the world thinks that they will not complete that transfer. Um, he is a superstar and an absolutely unbelievable player. And it's just such a joy watching him play. And some of the chances that he's created for Bayern, I and mean, sometimes it's the third or the fourth pass before the goal. It's just, um, his vision is just fantastic. And, um, you know, he's, he may be, maybe just that key player that they needed because this is, is already such a complete side. When you, when you look at that, that team and the players that they have on every position, they're just so deep. Um, Thiago had to came on in the second half to replace Hamas. I mean, this is the kind of quality we're talking about. Arturo Vidal was on the bench. Who are not, but Vidal has been one of the best players for me this season. Um, there's Sandro Wagner as a national team striker is on the bench, right? It's just the, the quality on that team is absolutely unbelievable. And Manuel Neuer is now uh, in running practice. You mentioned Sven Ulreich, you know, he's replacing possibly the best keeper on this planet. And um, Neuer is going to be fit by the time Bayern will be in the Champions League semifinal because I assume they will get there. And that's that's remarkable. You know, this team um, has everything right now. And um, when you give them an inch, they will take a mile. <laughs> and Dortmund did just that. Um, they absolutely dismantled them. And yes, Chris, it was very hard getting that first half into 250 words. I think it was slightly more than that because it wasn't just the... The goals that they scored, but these were unbelievable goals. And remember, yes, there was a goal actually chalked off as well because of VAR. And um, it was a very close decision. I think that goal could have actually stood. And Dortmund were absolutely fortunate that it wasn't 5-6-7-0 in the first half. It could have been that bad for Dortmund. We've talked plenty in the last few weeks about uh, Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich getting new coaches in the summer. Uh, Chris, is there any updates um, from a Bayern perspective on who's possibly going to be the coach next year? Any anything else coming out of the woodwork? It's, I mean, it's just changing constantly, isn't it? I think this is a situation that I'm just going to ignore until I hear something solid from the club. But whoever comes in will have um, massive shoes to fill because. Not only has um, Jupp Hankers come in and, and transformed that 14-point gap between where um, Bayern were and, and uh, Dortmund were the top of the league, and that's obviously reversed to the gap that that was, and he did that 14 points very, very quickly. It's his man management, which is excellent. I mean, we only talk, look back to last week's podcast, and we talked about how Kimmich, although he's a very, very good player, he'd had a bit of a slight ropey game um against, um, I think it was Spain as, as, for a start. Um, and Ankers just didn't throw him back in the deep end, just brought him back on in the second half. And that's the sort of man management. He's so in tune with his players. And, and I think we've seen that. I know we're going to go on to talk um, about Dortmund in a bit bigger detail, but 
Um, Heinkers hasn't done that much because he's not been able to do that much. So when he came in, his squad was settled. He's not been able to go out and buy six, seven players or bring in, you know, he's not brought in loads of um, talent from the youth side. He's just gone in. And as Manu said earlier, he's just tweaked, fine tweaked, but it's that ability to fine tweak and whoever they bring in, they're going to have to be of exceptional quality. I mean, let's remember last time he was replaced, he was replaced by Guardiola. I think they're going to have to bring in someone with that quality to outshine what Hankus has done this season since he's come in. So I don't think that's going to happen for a start. Um, for me, Bayern needs to be able to hand it over to someone who can coach um, younger stars, stars that are coming through, people like um, Martinez, people like um, Taliso and Sula and Rudy um, and Kimmich for a start and maybe can bring the best out of Robin and Ribery as they, as they fall off the other side and get too old and then bring in youth talent and spot youth talent. So at the moment, I I can't see anybody else for me personally than Ralph Hasenhutl. I think he would be an exceptional fit, a really, really good fit. But who buy and get? You know, it's changing daily. So, um, yeah, it's a hard one, Bryce. Yeah, it looks like it won't be Hasenhutl. The, the indication now is that he might extend his contract in Leipzig, right? So it's a good question. Yeah, Bryce. Yeah, I was going to say, um, Manu, I mean, I mentioned briefly about you know, how this is going to be a, a fantastic result for uh, Bayern going into the Champions League uh, fixtures uh, midweek. Uh, a result like this and maybe looking at just how good that squad is, you know, should everyone be considering them as uh, favourites or at least one of the two or three top favourites? Are they my favourite? I've been drumming the treble, treble uh, drum since, uh, I think before Christmas. I, I think they can do it. Um, it's, it would be, of course, remarkable given where Heinges took them from. And, um, if he, if he wins another treble, um, I think they have to rename the Marineblatts into your Pankes Blatts. <laughs> um, because they, 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 Bayern will never be able to do this again. Um, and I, I really think that the side, as good as they are now, it will be difficult to maintain it, um, you know, because players are getting older, uh, things change. It's, it seems like this is the, this is the top level that they can reach. And, um, yeah, it's just, I, I think, I think the treble is definitely within the realm of possibility. Well, guys, um, I, I suppose a, a treble, sure, is a, is a possibility. And I asked Chris, obviously, about what could possibly happen with the next coach. Do we? And you never really want to say that this um, is probably best, but um, but is it? Would it be better if they got the wrong coach in? If it actually weakened that team? I mean, obviously, we want the German sides to do well in Europe, but, you know, they're, they're just, as Chris said, a, a, a golf in class there compared to the rest of the league. Yeah, Bryce, that's a good question. Um, do we want Bayern to make a mistake so that we have a more competitive league? That's the question, isn't it? I think that's basically the only way we can have a more competitive league is is for Bayern to make a mistake because that's really what needs to happen right now, right, Chris? Um, the The golf is so big. And Dortmund have made so many mistakes. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment that I think the Bayern need to sign, um, sort of an Ancelotti 2.0. 
um, to, to really make a mistake and maybe miss that transition. Um, and I think, I think the, the current coaching carousel with all these different names. And Chris, you say, you say quite well, it's changing all the time. It's because they probably don't know. They don't, they don't know who's going to be the next coach. And that's, that's maybe the one position where they could make a mistake, right? Uh, bring in the wrong coach and, um, open up the league and allowing the rest of the teams to catch up a little bit. I suppose another possible option to, to strengthen, uh, Byron's rivals would be, which I feel we have to discuss once again is maybe softening the the fifty plus one rule, would it not? So you're getting more investments um, into the rest of the league, so then they can buy, strengthen, and and compete with them. Uh, Chris, would would you agree with that, or do you think it's not quite as simple as that? It's probably somewhere in between, Bryce. I would say um, it's yeah. I mean, I'm not one for maybe buying, getting it wrong, and and coming in and like Manu says, like an Ancelotti 2.0 because, you know, they won't stand for it and they'll just rectify it quickly. And even though um, it was quite a start to the season that they had under Ancelotti, Hankers came in and just regenerated that. So you would think if they got it wrong, maybe they just bring um, Hankers back again and, and he'd sort it out. So, yeah, it's... Um, it, it's a hard one, Bryce, but I personally wouldn't like to see Bayern um, just drop out of form because I don't think that does anyone any good really um, what would be better is if the rest of the league could step up to the plate and take the challenge to them so Dortmund step up and take it to them Leverkusen step up and take it. I mean I'm talking about consistently taking it to them Gladbacker another great side who just you know won two lose a few they need to be stepping up and taking it and it needs to be harder week in week out for Bayern and that then in turn will make the league stronger and it will make the European places stronger and it will make the teams that go into Europe very, very good once they're in Europe. Let's not forget that it wasn't that long ago that the likes of Leverkusen and Schalke were getting to the latter stages of the Champions League. In fact, by Leverkusen got to the final, didn't they, against um, Real Madrid? And I know that's going back a few years now, but that's the sort of level the clubs need to be at to be constantly pushing each other. It's no good having one side that's excellent and maybe 16 or 15 more that um, are probably too close for their own good. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Manu, what would you say about um, about that? It's, it's not that we want uh, Bayern to be to be weakened, is it? It's that we want the other ones to compete, um, as Chris said. But with with the fifty plus one rule being softened, would would that not 
maybe make that happen. That's Romanik's argument. I think he's wrong because I think um, his own club is a good example that 50 plus one, getting rid of 50 plus one is not necessarily a solution because Bayern, are, of course, run within 15 plus one and they have done a very good job. And the only two other teams around Europe that I see on the same level than them, um, Barcelona and Real Madrid, are also run as a membership club, right? So you have the three biggest, most successful teams in Europe at the current, currently run basically by that principle. So I'm not sure if that will, will help. Um, I think what teams need to be, do, they need to be a bit more, they need to be more efficient with their money. And I think this is something that I've pointed out in the, in the last few podcasts that we had on this topic is, Clubs need to be better in investing the money that they have. And um, people are saying the gap to the Premier League and all that, but forget that it really the best league in Europe right now when it comes to winning European titles is La Liga. And the Bundesliga has more money on average than La Liga. Yet we're, you know, the Bundesliga this season is ranked seventh in the UEFA coefficient standings. I don't know, there's three or four leagues ahead of the Bundesliga at the moment that don't even have a small percentage of what Bundesliga teams get in terms of television and sponsorship revenue. So I think that's really the number one thing for me is that teams need to be better and more efficient and Germans like to be efficient, but they're not right now. Teams aren't run well. That's really the bottom line. And I don't think getting rid of 50 plus one necessarily changes that. Yes, you maybe get some investors come in that do a good job, but for every good investor, you have two or three that do a terrible job. I just need to look at my own club, 1860, to give you a good example. Or at Hamburg, right? A team that's sort of circumnavigating 50 plus one with Kühne and, and are now likely to be relegated for the first time in their history. So I don't know if getting rid of 50 plus one is the solution. For me, it's, it's efficiency of spending and doing a good job. You look at Eintracht Frankfurt, for example. Um, yes, they lost today, but throughout the season and in the last two years, Freddy Bobic and Niko Kovac have been doing a very good job using their resources well. Um, I think it was four or five weeks ago, right, Chris, where we outlined all the players that they brought and they paid pennies for some of these guys. And they all been, all these players have were and had an enormous impact on the side. I think you can say that you can say that you know, 50 plus one should be scrapped, but a man is quite right. All that does is you bring in an investor who's going to throw you know, millions and millions of euros at the wrong thing. It doesn't matter how much a player costs. Now, I can get the argument that Rummenigge has is that he can't compete with the likes of Manchester City and realistically he thinks he can't compete um, with the likes of PSG and and at times Barcelona who is shelling out a lot of money but um, it's not a forever um, it's not a forever solution that just throwing money and throwing money and throwing money because eventually it becomes so ridiculous the amount of money players are going for that you have to go, okay, we need to find another way. And that is what um, German teams should be doing. And they only have to look at what's gone on in England for you know players being bought for 40, 50 million pounds who are nowhere near that fee and maybe take four or five years to settle or don't even settle and then get sold on for maybe you know even half that, sometimes a third of it. So it's not about spending more money and it's not about throwing money at a solution. That never works. You throw money at a solution and it'll never work in football. It's, if you're talking about hospitals, that's the solution you need. Throw money and it, build more. You can't do that with football. You need to recruit and retain the right people. And in order to do that, you need to have the right structure at the club. It doesn't matter if you've got an oligarchy or you've got an oil-rich shake. If 
if the structure isn't right, the end solution will be the same, which is which is poor. And as Manu said, you've got the likes of Hamburg who are going to go down. European football is littered with um, clubs who've had investors who promised the world and, and haven't. All of a sudden, you get hedge fund investors. Uh, my own club, and Manu mentioned his own club, my own club, Liverpool, nearly run to the ground by um, George Gillette and, and Hicks when they came in, just a hedge fund, just trying to take as much money out they can, seeing if they can make a quick money. And you will get investors that will come in and they'll look at the likes of Bruce Dortmund and buy them out and go, we can sell this product, get as much money out of it and sell it on. And that's not what you want. And that's what 50 plus one's there for. It's there for the benefit of German football. It's there for the benefit of the people who matter to German football. And that's the fans who go week in, week out and who prop the league up with their spending their hard-earned cash. So for me, scrapping 50 plus one isn't the end um, and isn't the way that German football will get better. It's about retaining and recruiting the best players and staff is what make clubs better. Well, you also look at some of the other examples in England, right? We talked off the pot at Chelsea, who now look very much like Abramovich for years invested lots and lots of money, but now he's sort of found a balance where he can make money without having to, to be the most competitive side in England, right? Because um, to be the most competitive side, you have to compete with... Qatar, uh, or sorry, sorry, Abu Dhabi, uh, we own Manchester City. So basically a state, right? An oil rich state, which is just impossible. So with the new television money, some of these owners, they invest just enough so the team is competitive, gets into the top five or five or six, right? Where the most of the television money is, um, get a little bit of money from the Champions League or European football, just enough, right? To make a profit. And then the profit gets taken out. Manchester United are a good example like that too. They were bought and an entire debt was put on them. And now they're just good enough to run a profit. And Arsenal, you know, how many people complain about Arsenal? The owners will never complain about Arsene Wenger's job because the team makes a profit, right? Which then can take them out. That's not what football is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be about making a profit. It's supposed to be. The club is supposed to make enough money to carry itself, which it does under 50 plus one. There's no one to take out money. The money stays, all the money made stays within the club. So the club gets better. I think that is, that is really what 50 plus one protects. Yes, indeed. I feel we'll be talking about 50 plus one over and over again, won't we? Um, in the next uh, few months or years and until uh, it's either. Well, it either changes or somebody else decides to become a little bit more competitive with uh, Bayern Munich. But let's um, let's go back to Dortmund um, a little bit. So there's an awful lot to discuss uh, about them. Uh, the, the, a bit of news coming out about them was that they brought in uh, Matthias Sammer. He's returning to the club as a bit of an advisor, the ex-centre back, one of my favourite players uh, throughout the 90s uh, to watch. But yeah, he's come back in after a little time at Bayern Munich when he left there 2016, but he will be giving them a, a bit of advice, which is much needed at the moment. They'll be taking on all the possible advice that they can have, I think, um, after after recent times. Uh, Chris, this is good news for the club, isn't it? It's probably a step in, in the right direction. Yeah, because um, he needs he, Dortmund needs somebody like that, and Vasco himself has said that he needs someone like Summer because he can analyse and identify... Um, players and situations that are going wrong and he can offer a clear view from outside uh, and the fact that they've been looking to get him back on board for some time and now they've got him back on that is exceptional for them and um, I saw a report 
that he might just be the start. We could see people like Sebastian Kell coming back and Lars Ricken uh, into roles, which I think is essential because you've then got players who have played at the highest level for the club and get what the club is about and they can get what the players need and where they can also offer advice as being staff in inverted commas, if you like. So it's a sort of, I don't want to say a buying model, but it pretty much is a buying model and it's something that I think can help um, build Dortmund back up and um, it's not just ex-players they're hiring for the sake of it. You're looking at, at very clever, very switched on people who can make that transition from um, from playing football into the more um, more business side of it and people like Kel and Rick and could do that and obviously Summer can. But it's his ability to identify and help and he's been it, seen it, done it, not only as a player but now also on the staff um, of, of Bayern. So I, I can't see... Um, I can't see any problem with this. I think it's going to be an, an excellent, um, an excellent role for him to come in and consult the club and maybe offer them some advice where where they've gone wrong. I mean, what advice could he have offered um, when all the troubles with Thomas Tuchel were starting? I'm pretty sure he could have offered uh, could have offered some advice that maybe would have kept Tuchel there, and who knows what would have happened if if that would have been the case. But Manu, we, we obviously talk about Matthias Sammer coming in. There's been good news. Uh, Chris even uh, mentioning that uh, maybe former other former players are going to come in. Uh, what else needs to be done at Dortmund? I mean, it needs a, a full rebuild, doesn't it? It's, um, on and off the pitch. Yeah, the number one thing is the coaching position. And um, I thought that Peter Stöger uh, would be a good man to bring in and maybe um, based on the results, maybe even a long-term option. But um, this this result against Bayern uh, really uh, shook me in my beliefs. Um, also, the, the the game against the two games against Salzburg, um, it's it's been very uninspiring. Um, three games that are really an embarrassment, really, for Borussia Dortmund. And um, I mean, we talk about this quite often off pot, right, Chris? That Stöger was the right stopgap masher because he got the results. And this was, I mean, we have to keep in mind this is his first defeat in the Bundesliga. But I feel they might need something more inspirational as a coach, right? That's that's just what I think. So that's maybe the the, the place to start. Yeah, that's it. Start at the top, I suppose. Uh, Manu, you had uh, put out um, a, a poll. You like to do polls, don't you? We we all like polls on, on Twitter um, to discuss um, who would actually be the best man to bring in. And it, it went even beyond the uh, suggestions that you had uh, within the poll. But uh, people speaking uh, below it, leaving comments. Um, what all did you learn from uh from this um as to what people want and uh i suppose did did you come across any other um uh, interesting um and thoughts and maybe, maybe a bit of food for thought when it comes to dortmund appointments yeah first of all this is speculation right so i want to point this out this is not um something that we know this is speculation but yeah i asked people um and only six percent said they want to continue with stöger i think that's quite clear and i'm pretty sure the club is Tending towards that too. Um, Lucien Favre, by some considered the favorite to take over. 25% said him. And then 51% said Julian Nagelsmann. Um, a difficult one because he, is, he doesn't have an exit clause, I believe, until 
um, the summer of the next. Um, so, you know, he's hard to get in 2018. And then 18% said someone else. And uh, some of the suggestions were interesting. Paulo Fonseca, the Schachter Donetsk coach, who, who has had this team play wonderful football throughout the Champions League campaign, um, was mentioned. Um, he doesn't speak German. I assume Dortmund would want a German-speaking coach. Um, one candidate, and uh, this is someone Chris knows a bit better than I do, is David Wagner. And David Wagner, of course, with um, Huddersfield Town, um, maybe a bit at the end of the line with what he can achieve there, right, Chris? And um, someone with a Dortmund background. Yeah, like I said on, on last week's pod, I don't think Wagner can take Huddersfield Town any higher than he has. He's taken them to the Premier League, um, and he's you know they're mid to bottom table if they survive. Um, the fight and they stay in the Premier League for next season. As I said last week, I think that is their glass ceiling. He's not going to take Huddersfield Town to the Europa League. He's not going to take Huddersfield Town to Champions League. So I think when you've touched you can, maybe you look for the next challenge you've proved. You've taken a small club from a small town and Huddersfield is a very, very small town in the north of England. You've taken a small club from a small town to what is arguably the biggest marketed league in the world. And that is no... Um, mean feat so he's done that and he's exceptionally um, he's proved himself exceptionally well to be able to coach that to take them and take them up the way he did last season as well is something else that should be remembered so I think for him he could do with another challenge and maybe Borussia Dortmund would be that challenge for him because anybody that comes in is going to have to go through a period of rebuild um, and Wagner's proved that he can build um, a small club which Dortmund aren't and he can build them and he can take them up higher into you know arguably one of the top leagues in world football so he would be a good choice it's just whether the appetite is there in Dortmund for another rebuild so when Tuca left it was um, you know the club was in a healthy position Peter Bosch came in everybody thought he would build on um, his experience he had with the Ajax side and the youth side um, that they had at Ajax and, and build up this youth um, prospects at Dortmund well you know unfortunately that didn't happen he probably lost his most prolific youth player they had at the time went to Barcelona um, and the rest as we know is history and and Dortmund need um, do need a transitional manager to take them now whether as I say the appetite is there or not because they'll want to get back straight away to challenging Bayern and uh, that's the only thing that worries me about David Wagner is if he came in would he be given the time by both the staff at the club the fans and the press but he could be a very very good appointment for me and um, I know we talked about Rose who could go to um, from RB Salzburg to um, RB Leipzig he would be another potential good um, employer or employee to be taken on by Dortmund now whether they've got the appetite for that is a different matter at all um, waits to be seen but Wagner is, is a serious option as his father. Um, Chris, there's a lot of comparison in Germany between Wagner and Klopp. And Klopp, of course, left a, a massive print on Dortmund. How do you see that? Yeah, well, <clears throat> you only have to look at, um, at what's happened to Dortmund since Klopp left. Um, and, and could he come in? He's, he's, he's a similar guy. They're friends for a reason. Their personalities attract each other. He says what he feels. Um, he doesn't hide behind anything. He's very passionate on the side. He's got excellent, um, excellent working relationship with his players. I don't think he gives out as many hugs as Klopp, but he's on that sort of level with the players. So I think he would be a very good fit at Dortmund. Obviously, somebody who knows the club well has worked with their reserve side in the past. So, and um, for me, he would be 
it would be a very good and natural progression for the club. It's just whether they're happy, as I say, to go through a little bit more of a transitional phase. Manu, obviously Chris has talked in depth about uh, Wagner there, which I must uh, agree. I, th- I think it would be a, a good appointment. I think he's done a hell of a job in the Premier League to get Huddersfield into the league. And it looks like he's got a tricky few weeks in his hands, but he could keep them up. Um, I mean, other names that have been uh, mentioned um, be- you're below your uh, your pool here. You- you've got uh, Wolf being brought back in. He was there, obviously, as a, a youth coach. Um, you've got uh, a Girona manager, uh, Paulo Mancini. Um, who else have we got on the list here? We've well, I've got some people saying Thomas Tuchel. I somehow I don't that will happen. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a few other names. Um, is is there anyone else that's jumped out to you that uh, has maybe made you think actually that's not a bad choice? Felix Magat. Oh, just kidding, April Fools. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, maybe maybe Tuchel is more realistic. <laughs> Um, no, I I think it will be a German-speaking coach. So some of the suggestions, like uh, you know, the Girona coach and all that, I'm sure they're all excellent coaches. But I think the the, the shortlist is uh, Faber, Nagelsmann, Wagner, and uh, Wolf. I think is probably on it too. And Rose is a good suggestion by Chris as well. So I think that's a pretty good shortlist. Yeah, not too bad. They've got plenty of choices. But guys, we said that, uh, well, Dortmund needs a, a bit of a rebuild at the moment. The next we're going to do is we're going to take it position by position. We've discussed coaching. Now we're going to discuss goalkeeper, defenders, midfield and attacking options. You you can mention whoever. Um, we're, we're not going to put money into the bill. We're just going to try and get a bit of an idea as to who you think would be good for the, for these kind of positions and, and who uh, Dortmund really needs. So, Manu, I'm going to start with you. We're going to go to uh, goalkeepers. You um, were a goalkeeper um, growing up. Um, you, you played, obviously, you, you tell us plenty in the Dutch third tier. No, no, um, no, no, it wasn't that high. <laughs> so fifth tier? That's closer, yeah. <laughs> fifth, fifth tier, okay, okay. The truth is coming out. Uh, but uh, okay, we're, we're going to go to you for goalkeeping because Berkey hasn't exactly been, uh, well, he hasn't exactly had a fantastic season. And you've always been a little bit critical of him, saying that he's good, but he's he's not a brilliant goalkeeper. Yeah, I think you need a playmaker as a goalkeeper, someone similar to Ter Stegen or Neuer. And um, Berkey's distribution isn't good enough for me. And I heard that Radetzky is targeted. Radetzky had a little bit of a howler today, but I think he would be a good keeper to challenge Berkey a little bit. Um, so that I think I think personally Dortmund could do better on that position, and maybe someone like Radetzky would be an interesting choice to bring in. Yeah, not a bad shot at all. Chris, have you got any suggestions as to who could come in in the goalkeeper department? It's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, if um, Liverpool go out and buy Alisson in the summer, um, I think Dortmund should have a cheeky look at um, Karius because I, I think Karius is a great goalkeeper and he plays out from the back well. I think he's a good shot stopper. Um, and he was excellent whilst at Mainz. It's taken a little bit of time for him to settle at Liverpool. But if Liverpool are determined to go out and break the bank and bring in you know, 50, 60 um, million pound keeper, then if I was Dortmund, I'd put cheeky bid in for Karius. Uh, apart from that, I know he's probably going to be relegated, um, but Timo Horn is still a very good keeper um, and someone who obviously gets the league and knows it well. And I think with a, 
a better defence in front of him, he could do he could do a good job at Dortmund. Now, whether <laughs> whether that's something they consider or not, um, or they themselves go out and pay a lot of money, you can arguably say that goalkeeper is one of the most important positions on the pitch. Not only um, does it build your attack, but if you get the right person, it can be worth 12 points at the back for you. Absolutely. And you took my two suggestions uh, out of my mind. So um, good work, Chris. We're on the same page, I think. But that brings us to defenders. Then. Chris, we'll go back to you um, for this one. Um, Manu mentioned that, you know, Socrates uh, and Toprak looking a little bit slow at times, um, a bit static. Um, I mean, everyone talks these days about, you know, how not just your goalkeeper should be able to play the ball along the floor, but but also uh, centre-back should be ball-playing. Uh, they obviously had one with Hummels, but he's uh, moved on to um, that side that beat him 6-0 this weekend. So, um, what suggestions have you got in that department? Well, this, this is a hard one because you just have to look at the prices that centre-backs are going for, um, good ones are going for, and I don't know if that is um, Dortmund's ability at the moment. And like we talked a little bit early on, you need somewhere and bring them in now um they may have well done that with um akanji but he hasn't settled just yet the center back issue for me if akanji can play well and and top rack gets to some level of form i don't know if it's particularly a bad problem um socrates was just dreadful on the weekend and looked like he was um thinking about manchester which obviously has been linked with united a lot and that would probably be an excellent move for him and dortmund at the moment um i don't know i don't know brutally honestly who could come in at the minute that is available we can you know we can suggest ideas that are never going to happen from here till the end of time which i don't think is realistic but i i'm in the opinion you know that dortmund squad isn't as bad as it would have you believe. You just got to look at the injuries that are throughout that squad at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I think the right coach, Bryce, can come in and turn this team around a little bit like Heinkers did to um, to Bayern Munich. So I don't think it's all lost at the back. Top rack was heavily wanted by Tuchel. It was one of his main um, one of his main options for for the season when he didn't get them. Along with Dahoud, I'm sure Manu's going to get to that in a minute. At the back, I, I don't think it's it's the biggest problem in the world at the minute. I think the goalkeeping problem and the staticish midfield problem. Um, so I'm going to say at the back, with the right coach, they've got what they need at the minute. Yeah, Chris, maybe to just add, I think it was a big mistake to sell Ginter in retrospect. I think It looks like that now, doesn't it? Because he's got all that experience oh. that that back line hasn't got at the moment. and. Oh. He'd made some calamitous errors. I can remember a game at Hertha Berlin last season where he made a horrendous error, and he seemed to be error-prone week in, week out at one point. But right now, right at this minute, I think he could have offered them something. Yeah, and he plays for Dortmund, for Germany. Löw likes him. I, I think that was a big mistake in retrospect. But I said that at the time, didn't I? Um, I was criticised for it, so <laughs> I'm just going to leave that out there. But yeah, I think, Chris, you're right. Midfield is, for me, the biggest the biggest problem. Um, both attacking and, uh, you know, just general, the entire midfield area um, is just a big construction site for me. Which part exactly? If, if we talk about the midfield, Manu, it's, it's more that they need 
you've mentioned a, an enforcer mm. kind of player before. You know, somebody that's going to run and run and run. You know, until, until those legs are cramping up, he's going to you know go in for the interceptions and you know every challenge possible. Uh, and and if so, who could they possibly get to do that role? Yeah, so they need someone like Yavi Martinez. That's that's uh, someone like Emre Shan, Yavi Martinez, Sami Khedira, someone like that, right? Um, someone who, is, who carries who carries the knife between his teeth um, into the fight, but just at the same time a good player. And um, that's something that Watzke actually has pointed out. So um, I was fortunate enough to write an article on this on Football Whispers. And again, this is some of it is speculation. But I, I put players on like Fabinho from, from Monaco, Asie Ilaramedi from Real Sociedad, um, Krichoyak, uh, who now plays at West Brom, Bromwich, um, Omar Mascarell from Frankfurt, who looks like he's going to go back to Madrid and then be sold on, uh, Leander Dendonka, uh, or Brian Cristante, who I really thought was fantastic for Atalanta, um, who can play both a deep low role and more attacking role. So someone who's just, Brings a bit of meanness to the side, you know, a little bit of character, um, a fun bomber, Javi Martinez kind of player. I think that is actually, that's like the kind of little tweaks that you're talking about. Bayern did this when they lost the Champions League final to Chelsea. They dropped Javi Martinez into the side and they went from being second in the Bundesliga, second in the Champions League and second in the cup to the treble. You know, sometimes you just need that tiny little tweak. Chris isn't wrong. This side is very good. And sometimes it's just, the right coach, and then maybe one or two right players, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and I mean, Chris, uh, you mentioned about the uh, midfield being uh, an issue as well. And I obviously want to hear your opinion as well. I mean, Manu wrote an article on it, but is there anyone outside of his suggestions that you think would be a good addition? Well, herein lies Dortmund's problem, because two, three years ago, Dortmund would have been able, with Bayern, to cherry-pick whoever they wanted. I don't think that's an option for them anymore. So they, if we look at this um, if we look at this season and who's playing well in the league around them, who they could pinch, it's players from the likes of Leverkusen and it's players from the likes of Schalke. So, for instance, Max Meyer is someone who could come into the Dortmund side and, and do exceptionally well. But would Max Meyer want to move there? Probably not because his club's playing at a better level than that now. And, you know, the same for any of the Leverkusen midfielders. And this is Dortmund's big problem where I think they may be forced to either look to the lower league into Bundesliga 2 or maybe teams who are going to go down this season to cherry pick players out of um, Hamburg and Cologne who who do have a decent midfield. Uh, That's one option. But then you're just going to buy a load of players in. So that's something to be wary about. Um, it's a difficult one because then they're going to be forced to go outside and then you're going to ask players to adapt instantly. Just look at who they brought in um, in the summer. They brought in De who everybody lauded, played exceptionally well at Gladbach. We all thought he was going to come in and do very, very well because he knew the league, he knew the country, knew the way it goes, knows everything. Um, obviously, because he's German, so he knew, the, he knew the league. But he hasn't settled. Now, he's no different than the um, the who that played at Gladbach. He's not changed as a person. You know, he's not woken up. He's not got amnesia and forgotten how to play football. He just hasn't settled at Dortmund. So they need to be wary. Like Manu says, Martinez came in and, and they just dropped him in. So Dortmund have to be careful. If they parachute four or five players in, all of a sudden you're asking them to gel over one preseason, which I think is a hard thing to do. So that's why I'm going to say, again, it, it needs to be someone... Um, who can come in and do a massive job. Now, I don't know anyone who would 
take the step down is probably the wrong word, but who would come in to Dortmund at the moment if they were given the option of either staying at the teams above them um, or or going to Dortmund. I, I think it, it's a really poor situation that Dortmund find themselves in for the minute because they're going to have to go shopping outside or they're going to have to bring in youth prospects again, which you can only do that so often. I think they will have to break the bank for this position, Chris. They will have. Oh to yeah, it, it's central. The the central, well, the midfield area, yeah. obviously, centre of the pitch, it is the most important. You get someone in like, I know you said Emery Chan, he's probably going to go to Juventus if he mm. doesn't sign for Liverpool at the end of the season. But he is the sort of player they need to come in. Someone who can, um, who can take the fight on and whose distribution is is good. But he's good enough to defend. He's also good enough to attack. Um, it's going to be really hard for Dortmund. That's my main fear for them. Um, Manu and Bryce for the summer is that because of now where they are in German football, especially if they finish behind Schalke and maybe um, you know even behind one of the other clubs that are around there, be that Frankfurt or be that Leverkusen, it's going to be hard for them to attract. Why do I want to come to Borussia Dortmund? That is going to be the first question that any player from outside the league asks. I think as long as they finish in the Champions League, they'll be fine. But if they don't, then they have a huge problem at hand, I think. Well, that's it, guys. If, if I was to make a suggestion, and I maybe haven't seen him play enough um, to uh, fully um, get behind this, but uh, Ruben Neves, uh, who's a Wolves, I mean, he was a hot young prospect, you know, went from, you know, Portugal, ended up in the championship of, of all places. They're obviously going to get promoted this season. Uh, so next year he's going to be in the, the Premier League, which it might be hard to kind of turn his head, but, you know, it would be him jumping to then European football Someone like that, I think, I think could could really do a job. But if we go to attacking midfielders, uh, Manu, you you mentioned that Pulisic um, wasn't exactly um, on form um, yesterday, and and has been lacking recently. Yeah, the pretty boys in attacking midfield you can just throw them all in a sack and uh, punch on it, and you, you'll hit the right person. I think they all have been poor, and their talent is there. It's I think that really will be the coach's big, biggest job. In the, in the summer, whoever comes in to get those, all of them, including Royce, ignited. I think you don't really need to bring in new players there. You just need to get the ones that they have going again. Yeah, well, guys, uh, just to wrap this up, because we still get some uh, discussions to be had on uh, other sites. Uh, I've got to go to both of you, and um doesn't matter the price, doesn't matter how realistic it is. What um, what striker would you like to come into uh, to Dortmund? Obviously, that's why it's there. Uh, we're going to see if he does make it a permanent move uh, in the summer. But um, if you if you have free reign, Chris, who are you going to go for up top? Um, I'd probably sign that um, that very interesting player from the Ukraine, um, Yarmolenko. Oh, they've already signed him. Maybe they should give him a go. Or Isaac. Um, <laughs> but if you... Oh, wow. Who do you want to bring in for... What, money's no object? Yeah, anyone. Anyone? <laughs> Lewandowski. Done. He's making a return on Chris's world. Uh, Manu then will take Lewandowski out of the equation. Who who do you think would be a, a good addition or, or even a player maybe of that type? Well, Chris is kind of right. They have players that can play it already and they just maybe need to utilize them better. Um, they really wanted Lautaro Martinez. Uh, that's not working out for them because he's he signed for uh, Inter Milan. Uh Money is no object. Hmm. That's that's a tricky one. It, I can't really 
see anyone right now that that could fulfill that role um I, you know Lewandowski of course but if i would get a player and get a crack at him uh, mario mandzukic um because he's also a mean guy and then you would finally get some character into the side i'm going to say sergio aguero it seems like you know guardiola it's a little bit funny about out and out strikers and why not? Why not send him into there? He'd get a ton of goals in, in the Bundesliga, I, I feel. Especially if he is the main man every week, right? He, he does for Man City. Um, right, guys, I think uh, if, if, Philip, if Maximilian Philip can get a good run of games to start on next season, I've, I've seen enough for him when he first went to Dortmund before he had his knee injury, that uh, he can he can fly there. He's everything that a Dortmund player should be. Mm. It's, I think it's his injury that hampered him. Don't forget, when he was injured, he was the most informed Dortmund striker. He was, he was, his goal to game ratio was better than Aubameyang at the time. He, he's a very, very good player. That's why they paid what is a lot of money for him. Twenty million euros was a massive purchase for Maximilian Philip in the summer. Uh, and I think if he can get back to anywhere near the standard he was at when he moved, he will be exactly what Dortmund need at the top of the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. There is talent in that team. They just need to, um, well, they need maybe the right coach to come in and do the job, eh? So, um, guys, um, with that uh, result at the weekend, um, obviously Dortmund coming out with a loss that sees them still in third place, but on forty-eight points. Uh, Schalke managed another win. They're on fine form of fifty-two. Uh, guys, oh, quickly, I'm going to go to both of you and just say. After this result, does it change who you feel is going to get into the Champions League spots? Um, Manu, let's go to you first. Um, I saw Dortmund's running and Stuttgart, Schalke, Leverkusen, Bremen, Mainz, Hoffenheim. That's um, a difficult run-in for them. But I am, I am going to say that they're going to finish in the Champions League. And I actually am going to say that the top four, as we have them right now, with Bayern, Schalke, Dortmund, Leipzig is going to be the top four at the end of the season. And Chris, would you second that? I mean, as Manu said, um, Dortmund have a hell of a run in, don't they? Yeah, but if they don't, if they don't get there, um, it, it's going to be horrendous for them. And I think that should be enough to plough the players forward. Um, if you look, there's a derby game coming up, they need to get a grip of that because if they lose to Schalke, the gap all of a sudden becomes pretty much. I'd say an unassailable gap with the fixtures that are left. So the top three at the moment, per chance, I've got a feeling Eintracht Frankfurt could just nick in there um, on something like the last day, which would be great, wouldn't it? Wow, what entertainment that would be, eh? Um, Let's hope it's uh, as exciting as that. And yes, Dortmund have... Stuttgart, Schalke and Leverkusen coming up next so so things are going to be very difficult for them guys just before we wrap things up we obviously predicted that Cologne would also get a uh, victory away to Hoffenheim this weekend and they lost 6-0 we didn't do very well this week did we um, it was a close game though Bryce (laughs) well the scoreline wouldn't suggest uh, that there was much (laughs) in it though nowhere near close they were horrendous (laughs) (laughs) um well, well, guys, obviously we've seen them lose. Uh, we said that they they really need to um, win as, as in practically every game, the chances to stay up. But at the same time, Mainz drew, Wolfsburg drew, Hamburg drew. So, uh, Chris, um, has it made any difference to the bottom of the table? Or not particularly? And Cologne versus Mainz this coming weekend is is going to be the the big 
important six-pointer. Uh, yeah, I think, me, me personally, I said they had seven cup finals to save their season and they lost the very first one. I don't think that does anything for them now. Not If they would have been beaten 2-1 and played really well and just been pipped to it, I think they could have been there or thereabouts. But the fact that they were battered, and I mean battered by Hoffenheim, that could have been a 10-0 game as well, by the way. Mm. Uh, they just look dejected. I think that's it now for them, that side. Um, it's now a six-point gap. Um, it's it's getting less and less. Okay, if they beat Mainz, it's it's three. But I don't think they've got what it takes at the minute to even beat Mainz. And the bottom two look, look done for me now. Um, and then it's going to be a straight fight out between Mainz and Wolfsburg for who takes that relegation playoff. You say that, Chris, but we've said that before. I, I'm not predicting it anything. Right. I think from what I've seen, when they beat Leverkusen, I thought it was great for yeah. them. But they've just slipped back into what they've done all season, which is win well and play very well and win and then go and get beat and get beat again and then draw and then pick up the next win three matches down the line, which I don't think is going to be any use to them now. Yeah. Well, that's it. They're probably going to need Freiburg and Wolfsburg to draw next week. And for them to beat Mainz uh, to give them a, a bit of a fighting chance. Um, but we'll just have to see. That's not going to be uh, the only interesting thing to see next week. Uh, we'll also be seeing Bayern Munich um, go to Osberg and try to wrap up the title. Um, something which uh, we all know is only a matter of time. Uh, guys, that more or less does it for this week. Chris, what have you got going on this week that you'd like to draw people's attention to? Um, Champions League's back, um, as is the Europa League. Shouldn't belittle the other competition as well. Um, so I am going to be at Anfield for um, the big clash between obviously Liverpool and Manchester City. So I'll be covering that. That'll be on um, footballstart.com. Um, and then fingers across, um, I'll be at Arsenal the next night on Thursday for the visit of CSK Moscow. That will obviously be on footballgrad.com. Fantastic. Yes, bring on a Liverpool Bayern final. That's what I'm going to say. Um, Manu, what have you got going on this week? Um, plenty across football grad, I'd imagine. Yeah, the previews, um, I mean, they've been written as we speak. So the, the first set will be up by the time this podcast comes out. And then um, by Monday night, um, we usually have all four. We will have all four Champions League previews out. And then by uh, Tuesday night, the Europa League previews will be out. All four of them on foosballstart.com and footballguard.com. And then um, live reports from Liverpool and from Munich. Uh, I guess it's from Sevilla. The game is in Sevilla. So um, we'll have match reports from those two. And yeah, um, whatever else happens, um, there's, there's a lot going on all over in Europe right now. And then um, we have the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals as well. I'm going to write a match preview on that as well. Um, so that can be found on Football Cidage. So yeah, lots going on. Lots are going on. And again, Bryce. <laughs> Plenty as always. That's right, guys. Go to Twitter and look up at Football Grad Live. There's going to be lots of match reports, lots of previews, loads of other interesting articles as well. And yeah, get in touch if you can on there or, or to any of the three of us on Twitter. We, we always like to to hear from you guys uh, you never know something that you bring up we may even discuss uh, on a future pod if you've enjoyed the podcast please head over to the likes of itunes and just give us uh, some positive feedback we greatly appreciate that i've been your host bryce dunn you can find me on twitter at bryce dunn 11 and that more or less does it for this week next week we could be reporting on the championship being wrapped up 
But until then, auf Wiedersehen. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.